Hello guys, welcome to episode 106 of the Worldwide Chelsea Podcast. It's your host, Matt, back again for another stream. And it's going to be the season review of the 2021-2022 Chelsea season. And I am joined once again by my co-host, Jesters. How are you doing, my friends? Yeah, I'm doing uh, doing doing just brilliantly. I know you've had a rough weekend, uh, footy-wise, with uh, Belgium uh, doing. I I had no idea that somebody must have put something in the water. Uh, and then England. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Joe, for two this weekend, brother. But uh, yeah, I get to watch Uruguay versus the States tonight, so I'm a happy man. How about you? Yeah, well, the less said about international football, the better. Um, it's not been an interesting weekend for me in that respect, but it's Nations League. I just, it's like watching the Community Shield. You, you kind of look at it and go, if you win it, it's nice. If not, then you just like go have a beer, enjoy your weekend. But it's typical England, boring, Belgium. I was a bit shocked because that's technically, it is technically in terms of a rivalry, it's like that England-Scotland rivalry. It's a big rivalry between Belgium and, du- and Netherlands. So to lose like that was a bit hard to take, but it is what it is. Um, you just Obviously, it's been Jubilee weekend, so I have been fairly intoxicated most of the weekend. So that's kind of got me through. Um, and <laughs> if I do start struggling by the end of it, you know why. Um, so, I mean, obviously, the season... Um, Chelsea ended up finishing third in the Premier League getting to the quarterfinal of Champions League um, which I think we won the Super Cup we won Club World Cup and got to the final of both the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup losing both of them to Liverpool thank you for giving them their only two trophies but there you go Um just as just as an overall basis before we start going into it a bit more detail, what do you think of the season? Obviously, you'd think two trophies before the season. I think most fans would normally take that, but considering we won two trophies, it's quite of a negative kind of overall reception of the season, isn't it? Well, considering that we were talking about four, five, six trophies at the beginning of the season, you know, Right. So if you if you look for what we said over the summer, disappointing season. Um, now, looking, if you ask me, looking back of all the things that went wrong for us this year. Good season. <laughs> you know, you see how, you know, for, you know, perspective is reality or perception is reality. At the beginning of the year, if, if you look at it from what we did at the beginning, you know, said at the beginning of the summer. Before the, before the season kicked off, highly disappointing. But going through the whole season and seeing the twists and turns and the things that happened, I have to say I, I'm pretty, I guess, content. Not happy, maybe just content that uh, things ended the way they, they, they ended. And, then I, and, I, and I throw in the club actually going through and being sold into that whole mix. So that's probably the biggest thing that happened this season yeah i mean i see it wouldn't be a chelsea season if it wasn't full of twists turns ups downs nearly 
club going into just complete obliteration. Um, it is what it is. Um, obviously, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think I, at the beginning of the season, I said four trophies, which I would, we could even, even with how the season's gone, you could argue Carabao Cup, we'll get to it a little bit uh, when we go into it a bit more detail, but if refereeing decisions went our way properly, we may be talking about three trophies, not four. And then even the FA Cup final, Not we, we lost fair and square in the end. But if penalties is a bit of a lottery, so we could have, should the football gods or should it have potentially gone our way, we could have gone away with four trophies, even being poor in the league and a relatively disappointing Champions League. Um, so we still could have even got the four trophies. Wouldn't have been the best four trophies, don't get me wrong. Um, but sometimes you have to take a trophy when it comes. Um, we'll start off, obviously, month. We'll go through month by month, guys. Um, kind of, I'll go through all the results of that month and then we'll kind of discuss that month into a little bit of detail. So we start off, obviously, with April, uh, April, August. Right, here we go. Starting already. Um, so we start off with 11th of August. We play the Super Cup final against Villarreal, drawing 1-1 with Chelsea winning 6-5 on penalties. We then start the Premier League season three days later on the 14th. Chelsea beating Palace 3-0 with a debut goal for Trevor Chalobah. We then follow it up with a 2-0 win over Arsenal with, again, Lukaku getting a double on his debut. And then finishing off the month with Chelsea 1, Liverpool 1, which we'll go into in a little bit, obviously ended in a bit of a controversial circumstance. Anthony Taylor sums it up. Um, so Jester's obviously really, apart from the Liverpool blemish, we nearly went basically the, the first three games of the Premier League season um, completely unbeaten. Um, overall, it was unbeaten, but we could have got all points. Um, what did you think of obviously the start, obviously beating Palace quite comfortably, beating Arsenal quite comfortably? Looking good against Liverpool, outside of the decision, and then obviously winning our first trophy. Well, you would have to consider that probably one of our, probably the best month of the season. And that's not good when you start off saying you're starting of the season is your best month. <clears throat> but let's see, you know, we beat, we, we won our first trophy of the year, check. Um, beat Crystal Palace, who, you know, took some scalps this year. Um, got a debut debut goal from Chalaba. Of course, me being American, I got to say Christian Pulisic scored on that in that match too. Uh, so that's you know extra mar- bonus points, small bonus points for me. Um, yeah, beat Arsenal. They ended up fifth. They were in a top four race, so they ended up, didn't end up a bad team. And then uh, of course the draw with Liverpool, who. Couldn't beat us in regular time this year, FYI. Uh, yeah, I, I think that you could say that taking uh, full points from Liverpool would have been better. Yes, it would have, but uh, you you would assume that that would be a hard-fought game. So you, if you get a point from it, you, you take it and run. So, yeah, I got to give that a probably an 8 out of 10 month if I was rating it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really have a problem with it at all. Obviously, the Super Cup, um, I think, especially looking at Villarreal this season, they're not, they're not a bad team. Um, 
even you look into obviously the semi-final against Liverpool. I know they went down at first, but they 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 produced a fight back and could have took Liverpool into tough points um, into their season. But Liverpool, being Liverpool, get through in the end. But they they are a tough team to beat. So looking back at that one-one, winning it on penalties, as you said, you it doesn't matter what the result is, doesn't matter the performance. If you win a cup, you win a cup. You don't remember how well you played. You remember the result, remember the trophy um, and whoever scores, um, if it's a good goal. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the Palace, as you said, I think Palace have had a decent season under Vieira. Um, a lot of teams, some teams in North London, didn't do too well against Palace. Um, but I think we dealt with them pretty well in the FA Cup, in the league, uh, and especially on that first day of the season, Trevor Chalaber getting a good debut goal, Pulisic. Um, I remember that game. It was all the usual Pulisic people who do not like Pulisic were getting on my back, and then he scores, and I'm just sitting there with a nice little emoji, um, just, just laughing, uh, and then it was completely silent. So it's nice to uh, shut some people up. And then obviously the Arsenal game, um, Lukaku scoring a double. Uh, seemed too good to be true, wasn't it, Jester's? Um, Lukaku getting a double, and then it all kind of collapsed from there, really. Yeah, we, you know, I remember at the time we we're like, okay, this is this proves that what we were saying over the summer, title contenders, you know, four or five, maybe six trophies. Um, yeah, it, it proved it all that that wasn't just hype that you know was substance there for one game. <laughs> one game only. Well, you, uh, would say, you know. Yeah. Well, to be fair, the, the game after was the, the Villa game that he, he then scored another double, and that's when everyone was really going at it. But um, I think, yeah, after there, it took a nice, sharp turn down. Um, but it is what it is. Um, we'll kind of get into Lukaku a bit further into the months because obviously we still we'll, we'll speak about his little drama with Chelsea and this continuing drama that's going on now. Um, but obviously, yeah, that was August. Um, quite smooth sailing for Chelsea so far. Um, and then September was relatively similar, um, quite smooth. Um, Chelsea started off after the international break, playing Aston Villa at home, winning 3-0. As, as I said, Lukaku scoring a double uh, along with a Kovacic goal. Chelsea then started off their Champions League campaign on the 14th of September beating Zenit St. Petersburg 1-0 at home, followed up by a game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where Chelsea absolutely smashed Tottenham, beating them 3-0. And then it's followed up by Aston Villa for the second time this season in the Carabao Cup. Uh, Chelsea drawing 1-1 and Kepa saving us a bit on penalties, winning that 4-3. Um, and then we finished off the month just as it was looking nice with a double 1-0 defeat. Uh, with uh, with Chelsea, Man City at home, and then Juventus away again, 1-0, uh, with Chiesa being Chiesa, unfortunately. Um, just as obviously September started off as August was, perfectly. Then we get to two tough teams, a tough set of fixtures, and we lose them both. Um, was that a bit disappointing to end the month? Well, uh, I, I, before, before we get there, the, the trend started that month too actually coming into that month. First injury of the season, Christian Pulisic was injured on the international play. 
and basically was gone till November, December. So, maybe, you know, it's a kind of a theme of our season, right? Injuries. So, you know, so just needed to throw that in there. Um, yeah, it started out good and kind of faded toward the end. Um, Juventus, the Juventus loss, not so big. Because um, in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't turn out to be all that much. But uh, you, you, you would think that you want you to get on top of City while you could. And, you know, I guess second theme of the season is the Charity FC. Yeah, that's true. I mean, thinking about the, the City game, I think, well, generally all the City games, I think whereas last season we seemed to have, obviously, with the Champions League final, semi-final of the FA Cup, we seemed to have that edge on City. It seemed like Pep really had something to, of a point to prove almost. And I think every game we were all just not in it at all. I know the results was only 1-0, I think, both times. Um, but we really just wasn't in the games, was we, Jesters? No. No, not really. Um, it was almost like, was it Sari or Conte where we just lost 1-0? It was honestly the most suffering game you could ever play. Conte. Yeah. Because Sari, we, we, we usually end up uh, getting, getting our butts kicked by Man City. Oh yeah, that was, uh, that was a six nil, weren't it? <laughs> that's a six nil there. But even but, then, uh, I remember saying before, the six nil was probably actually better than the the one nil. We uh, we battered us, we couldn't care less. But the suffering we had for that one nil, and even with these one nils as well, they were just suffering, weren't they? Yeah, um, and of course the Juventus game, I believe Marcus Alonso started that game, which is the the other theme of the season, Ben Chilwell. Yes, definitely. Um, obviously, you had that. It was obviously didn't start the season for a reason that is still relatively unknown. Um, we know that he's a mental um, idea that was behind it, which fair enough. If if a player's not mentally at it, sometimes you've got to say just have a break, come in when you can. Um, and obviously, when he did come in was firing it firing on all cylinders which was nice but obviously that meant we had to do all Alonso for the first few games which is not what we want to have and again with the Pulisic thing I think it was the typical unluckiness of Christian Pulisic scores that goal against Crystal Palace then gets Covid typical um, I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek got it as well um, then he goes into national duty and it was that it's not that typical politic injury or he pulls a hamstring or something like that and we go, here we go, injury prone again. It was that terrible tackle. Um, I remember I was fuming when I saw it. Bloody, I can't remember who the team now. Do you know? Do you remember who it was against? It was Costa Rica or Panama, Han- I, I want to say. Han- I think I remember it from Panama. So I think I remember him scoring against Costa Rica. Yeah, and then it might it- have been- yeah, it might have been Panama. But, um, yeah. you, you know that wasn't even called a foul, by the way. Yeah, them typical Central Central American teams just... Yeah, you know, well, we're not going to say more about it. Completely destroyed his, his ankle um, and, as you said, left him out for what seemed like eternity. It just, we, we, it was one of them things where we weren't told when he was coming back until he came back. Um, and it obviously very much frustrated a lot of Chelsea fans, including me and you. Um, 
but we knew it was going to be a long run but obviously I think I remember it was someone one of the journalists put out it would be only two three weeks um, and then it turned out to be two three months so obviously typical Chelsea uh, elongating injuries um, apart from the Chilwell one which we will get into uh, luckily that was nice and short but yeah it wasn't that great um, and it was a Juventus game I think it was frustrating because obviously we'd lost the City game and then lost the Juventus game straight after. But it was one of them ones, typical Chelsea, we were quite dominant, we were quite good apart from the final third. And then it was, it was I think it was Chiesa, it was, it was Chiesa counter-attack. It was, I think it was, wasn't that the only chance that they had in the whole game? One of the, uh, one of the only ones, again, running th- theme of the season. You don't put your uh, opponents to bed when you have the chance. They come back and bite. It comes back and bites you. So, again, running themes in the first couple of months that because we were again, you know, I close if not the top, close to the top of the league at that point. Even though a few games in, um, you know, everybody was kind of didn't see that at the time, right? That wasn't a running theme. Oh, we better start finishing t- teams off. That didn't come up. Um, but it did turn out to be, again, another theme of the season, you know, foreshadowing of things to come. So, yes, unfortunately it was. Um, and for something it frustrated, it, well, it, it, it frustrated me at the start and then I got to the point where I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get pissed off of it anymore because otherwise you're not going to enjoy life. You just move on with it because you know it's an inevitability until we get until we get new players in. Once we get new players in, then I can start being a bit more harsh on it. Um, so obviously October came, and I think October was actually a very busy month for us. Obviously with Champions League, Carabao Cup, um, but it was I'm going to call it the Mason Mount and Reese James month. It was almost uh, the wing back um, inverted wing back uh, month where we were just we started actually playing quite well um actually looking like a team that could win the league um we started off second of second of october southampton at home um i remember it was a bit of a t- tipsy tivy match i think that was the first time chillwell played uh, we won 3-1 uh, thanks to actually uh, almost i don't know, I don't like to say it, a savior of ross barkley coming on actually doing a good performance um hoodwinked a few people saying he'd come back into the team uh, obviously we all know by now not to trust that um we then followed that up with a Brentford uh, away, where we just about won 1-0, thanks to uh, yours truly, Edward Mendy. Uh, we then followed up after the international break uh, with a 4-0 win over Malmo, which not really a surprise. We then followed that up further by a 7-0 thrashing of Norwich with Mason Mount scoring a hat-trick and finally actually turning up for, for the first time of that season, uh, at that point. We then couple of days later had Southampton once again in the Carabao Cup drawing 1-1 again and scoring on penalties 4-3 bit of a regular occurrence again Kepa doing well in the penalty shootout and then we finished the month with Newcastle at home which Chelsea won 3-0 um just as obviously I think the main point to take from that month was the return of Ben Chilwell the way we played with our fullbacks um was it the first time you probably looked at that season and thought 
we can do something here. I think we found it. We found out the solution. Obviously, hindsight now, we know what's happened and that got completely blown apart. But at that point, did you think it was something we could start challenging for everything again? Yeah, I, I, I think that <clears throat> my belief is still, uh, bar injuries, we're there in, in the title race. Not to say we're, we would have won it, but we would have been there or thereabouts. You understand, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, we would have been in a three-horse race instead of a two-horse race this year. <clears throat> that, that's the importance of Ben Chilwell. Uh, for all those people who wanted Sergio Regulon, or who else was it that they wanted? Tagliafico. Tagliafico, Tellez, which, yeah, as Tellez. we saw from this season, is a big no. So, um, you know, Chili B showed up and showed that he, he you know, with when him and Reese are healthy and on, on the pitch together, we had the best fullback tandem in the world. In the world, I'm going to say it one more time. Reese James and Ben Chilwell are the best combination of fullbacks on the, you know, that's left, that, that's, that's, you know, left back, right back, or right wing back, left wing back, however you want to call it. They're the best. They're, they're the most talented, they're the most complete. Um, I don't want to hear any of this Trinidad or Arnold or Andrew Robertson. Sorry, not the case. Uh, TAA don't play defense. And Andrew Robinson, Robertson has kind of fallen off. Didn't do much. Yeah, def- I, mean, I, I would say actually the closest challenges in terms of two good fullbacks would be probably Man City with Cancelo and then Walker with Cancelo being the main argument. Um, yeah, there's still the output you get from those. I mean, I think Man City fans would 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 actually admit that they'd take Reese James over Kyle Walker. Yeah, I think I think Reese James is probably the best. It depends on whether you want to play Cancelo on the left or right because he can play both. But from last season, I probably think Reese James is probably one of the best right backs in the world right now. There's probably a couple oh. people you could say in mind, but he is there. Uh, thereabouts. Yeah, I, 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 he's in the conversation. Let's just say that yeah. because um, there's people play different ways and have, have 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 different traits, but he's got the full package: offense, defense, built like a a, a brick shit house. He's just the dude is immense, and he's only getting better. He, his offense, his defense will improve. Especially when he has, of course, you know, transfer season is all upon us as we speak, record this. Um, the players that we're linked to come in, you're going to really see the best out of Reese James. So, most definitely. Hopefully, we do get all the players that we well, or at least most of the players we want, and then we can finally start getting somewhere in terms of the attacking sense. I mean, in that. That month we did we did we are almost hoodwinked by again a couple of good performances. Obviously the Chelsea Newcastle one three nil, Chelsea Newcastle at Norwich seven nil, Malmo four nil. Um, it actually for once we looked like we were scoring lots of goals, but obviously as we later found out, it was probably more the opposition than us that were the problem. And that wasn't the Jesses. Yeah, I would have to think so. Mal- Malmo, come on, let's let's move from that. We. <clears throat> Unless you're a, 
a Cho stan, that's that's the only people that rate Malmo and and, and Norwich and Newcastle at that point in time. Yeah. So yeah, the only the only people bigging up those teams were uh <clears throat> were, were the Cho stands. Other than that, they're 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 draws. And Newcastle improved. Of course they got sold and they proved later on they brought a new coach. But at that point in time they were garbage. Hadn't won a game. So uh yeah, that's that's great to just smack around um you know, B tech teams, but you have to do it against the big big dogs too. So that's why I am not I that's why I still think uh September was or August was better than September. Yeah. Because again, we had trophy and we played the better quality teams. Definitely, definitely. We 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 did we did almost beat better teams, even though we did play Arsenal in that month, which obviously you could argue Arsenal better team, but they actually have played more decent this season. I wouldn't say they played well, but for Arsenal standards, they probably played well. Um, obviously, going into the month of November, and that was where typical Chelsea we start well. August, September, October. And then November hits in. It's the month that we always struggle in. Um, so we started off with Malmo um, away. We just about won 1-0 thanks to Hakim Ziyech. We then travelled to Burnley and drew 1-1, which was disappointing considering especially got, they got relegated and they were terrible. We then had a small bounce uh, within a week uh, with Chelsea beating Leicester 3-0 and Chelsea beating Juventus 4-0, which unfortunately was the place where Ben Chilwell picked up his unfortunate injury and was out for the rest of the season by the final game for two minutes. Um, but there was positives in them two games, at least. Then Chelsea ruined it by drawing 1-1 with what I will comfortably say one the worst Manchester United team in the Premier League era, probably in most of Manchester United history. Um, Jesters, we'll kind of start off with the positives of this month. Obviously, Leicester, 3-0, Juventus, 4-0. Again, it looked like two games where we showed what our potential could have been, but unfortunately we couldn't sustain it, could we? Well, and again, I would chalk those two, uh, the 3-0 and the 4-0, up to having Chilwell on the pitch. You know, we're a better team with him there. No surprise. I'm watching Marcus Alonso play right now for Spain, and they, they're down 1-0 to the Czech Republic. So just just throw that in there. <laughs> Just for Sadiq. Yeah. I think <laughs> but, Sadiq has finally given up on Alonso. <laughs> well, I don't know. Dude, like a cockroach, always comes back. Marcus Alonso, the, Alonso, the, the uh, human cockroach. Can't kill him. Can't get rid of him. That's true. <laughs> Just as we thought, he's going to go to Barcelona. He's going to be fine. Nope, Barcelona somehow f- mess up their finances once again, where I think... Going off topic a little bit, it was quite funny that they're now you uh, hiring out Camp Nou for a wedding venue or your mates can book it up and just like you would an AstroTurf to play football on the pitch. That that kind of made me laugh. Um, and also, I think I remember when I went a couple of years ago, um, they were you, you, you could buy like a cubic metre of grass in a box from the Camp Nou pitch and they were selling it for like 200 quid. It's like, are you that are you that broke that you're selling parts of your pitch for God knows amount, hiring it out like a three G pitch and 
putting wedding venues on there. Um, but it is what it is. Do you think that's quite funny from Barcelona's point of view? Well, you know, gone are the days of Xavi and Iniesta and uh, Leo Messi. So what can you say? The higher you are, the, the, the longer the fall, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's quite it's quite funny from a Chelsea point of view to obviously take piss out of Barcelona, but unfortunately, it's points this season. We weren't exactly in better circumstances, but that's kind of all sorted now. Um, but obviously, we did have some poor results. Obviously, Malmo and Burnley were disappointing, but you kind of we kind of well, the Malmo we scraped out for a win, which is fine. Um, the Burnley one was on just annoying, but there it is. But the one result I can't get over is that Manchester United game. Chelsea won, Manchester United won. I think Solskjaer was sacked by that point. It was Carrick in charge. I don't think Ragnick had come in yet. Um, was that the match that you just really got frustrated with, considering how poor this Man United team is? Well, it, again, it falls to the old theme of not finishing off an opponent, not uh, finishing your dinner, not... Uh, Stepping on their neck when you have them down. It's it's Chelsea this year played to the level of their competition. So when we played a better team, boom, we were there. When we played a team that was worse than us, we just played as good as they did. So we we when you pl- when you play better teams, it's great that you can raise your level to them. If it's Worst teams, you cannot drop your level down to theirs. You have to go in there and kick them in the shins or wherever else you want to kick them and ruin them. But we didn't. We just, oh, we're playing Burnley. Well, let's play down to lower level. Well, why? Why would you do that? And that's basically, again, that's what we did all season. And, you know, you see a lot of one-ones. You know, throughout the season, because we could have put the game game to bed, and instead we allowed them to stick stick around, and then they either hipped a, a a goal at the end, or or actually we were we were we were tied, and they would come back and beat us two one. I'm just I'm just wondering how many two ones or one ones we had the whole season, or one nils, because to me that just that's not on the defense, that's on not finishing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw that I think we scored, in total for all, all the fixtures, we scored, I think it was 122 goals, which, considering we played 63 games, 62, 63, 63. That, that, that is basically just under one in one, two goals every game. And that's not acceptable. You have to be, to be a big team like we were um, and work we should be, we should be scoring at least, we should be at least two to two and a half goals a game, at least, with probably slight, obviously we, we were, at times we were very good defensively and at times we were shocking. Um, that kind of coincided with Alonso being in the team, but there you go. Um, but it was really the, the, the forward line that was just constantly struggling. I mean, even that Man United game, we were 1-0 down to Jane Sancho, who hadn't turned up that whole season, that whole start of the season, and then suddenly scores against us. Well done. Typical Chelsea, giving someone some confidence. And then it was Jorginho penalty that had to save us and at least get us a point in that game. I mean, 
was bad enough drawing against that Man United team. Imagine if we lost. would have been absolutely embarrassing. But um, Are you foreshadowing? <laughs> uh, don't worry. I'm hoping, hopefully, the Todd Bowley era kind of stops this Man United drought that we've had. Um, I thought hope- we lost to them this year, too. Or were there two draws? No, it was 1-1 again, I think. Because we, I think we scored. We were doing really well. And then it was Ronaldo got a goal, didn't he? Yeah, okay. I, mean, yeah. I, I, I thought you were foreshadowing. I thought, I, for some reason, I thought we lost to him this year. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that good a host that I could foreshadow. Um, well, I have kind of foreshadowed a little oh, bit, but we'll, we'll get into it. Um, I mean, we're going into December and, well, this was a roller coaster month, to say the least. Obviously, injuries, COVID meant that we were playing at times with 13, 14 players and every team seems to have a, lo- a lovely couple of days off of COVID because they had a couple of COVID, but yet Chelsea being Chelsea have to play until we could have four players on the field and we'd probably still have to play the game because, you know, that's how it has how we roll. But we did, well, I'd say we scraped a couple of results and messed up a lot of results. Uh, so we started 1st of December. We somehow managed to win 2-1 against Watford. Now, that might seem like an OK result, but Remembering back to the game, I, I still do not to this day know how we scored two and what managed to win that game. Uh, I think that was probably the biggest robbery you've ever seen off Watford uh, at Rickage, Rickage Road. Obviously, that game was marred by an incident with a fan that unfortunately had a heart attack within the stadium, which didn't really help the game flow-wise. Um, but luckily, Chelsea managed to get something out of it. We then went and lost 3-2 to West Ham, which... Starts a typical Declan Rice prop, uh, Mendy making a big mistake in that game. We then finished up our Champions League group stage campaign, drawing three all with Zenit St. Petersburg, which was a nightmare of a match. Didn't want to watch it after that. We then nearly played similar against Leeds, scraping that 3 2. Um, we then played Everton's youth team uh, on the 16th of December, drawing 1 1 somehow, uh, which was very frustrating. And then we played Wolves. Uh, and Brentford just before Christmas with a nil-nil draw against Wolves, which I think is where we really struggled with COVID. And then we we won two-nil against Brentford. Um, on Boxing Day, we beat Aston Villa three-one, which was followed up by a one-one draw against Brighton on the 29th before we concluded 2021. Um, Jesses, obviously we'll start with kind of I've kind of saved the uh, late Christmas present. Uh, we'll save that to the end. And um, we'll talk a bit about that. But um, obviously, the whole COVID situation, obviously, other teams, Tottenham, Burnley, etc., all got like loads of breaks because of games being cancelled. But unfortunately, Chelsea had to play every single one of our games. Um, was that something that frustrated you in terms of the difference between certain teams getting games off and certain teams like Chelsea not getting games off? Um. Probably yes, but probably really I'm not bothered by it. Um, these are professional footballers. Uh, we they get paid millions of dollars a year to do what they do. Um, and I understand the, co- the you know the COVID situation. They couldn't play, even if they had no symptoms or just fine. You couldn't play. Uh, you know that that the, the boogeyman was there, right? Um, but I, 
I'm not, I don't want to put, I guess is where I'm struggling. I don't want to put any blame on any perceived unfairness from administration, right? I, I want to keep it about what we did on the pitch. And we still had world-class players available. I, she, excuse me. I'm going to smack myself in the face later for saying world-class. We still had very, very good players available to play those games. And we just didn't show up for some of them. So, and other ones, again, we played down to our competition. Um, I believe uh, Lukaku was out with his own ankle injury at that point. And maybe Reese James as well was, did he pick up his ankle injury in uh, uh December or was it January that he picked it up? It was late December, I think he. I think it was was it Brighton? He picked up the injury. I, I remember. Can't remember. He, I remember he didn't play against Liverpool. So and that would have yeah. been the first game of, this, of January. So yeah, would have been end of December. Um, you know, injuries for me. Um, of course. Uh, other things going on, on on the outside that we will leave to the end, but it's just you go back to those players that have been here for way too long that don't fit what what Thomas Tuchel wants to do and how he wants to do it. Uh, when you're starting wingbacks or anywhere from Aspilicueta to Alonso to whoever's fit out of you know could be Christian Pulisic on the right-hand side. Could be Kalamatsun Odoi on the right-hand side. You know, not wingbacks. Or you have uh, Yertel the Turtle playing there. And then on the other side, you have... Um, I don't know. How, what You have Marcus Alonso. That's all that needs to be said. Yeah, uh, you, can, you don't even have to explain it. Just Marcus Alonso is just some, some up of how terrible it was. I mean, I, I think I agree with you to the point of I would I was happy to play all the games. I I personally think unless you physically don't have an eleven to put on the pitch, then I I I was under the impression that every team should be able to play and just put up with it because as I as everyone kind of looked, everyone was in similar pit situations. Everton were play. I mean, the the game against Everton was the most frustrating because we. We were placed, basically playing against Everton's kids and we still couldn't get a result. Um, the Wolves game, I think, was the one that kind of did show we were struggling almost. Wolves doing a typical low block, stopping us from scoring. And then it was, you were looking on the bench to see who could we bring on. You saw Ross Barkley, Kepa, Bettinelli, and I think Kovacic was coming back from an injury. So I don't, I think he was named on the bench because there wasn't many people to put on the bench at that point. Um so it was like you kind of look and go, well, that does that was an, uh, a frustrating part because we couldn't really bring anyone on apart from Barkley, which again sums it up quite frankly quite clear. Um, obviously Lukaku out. I don't think Lukaku was out of an ankle injury personally. Probably had some jaw pain from speaking all that bullshit um, in that certain Christmas present that he gave us at the end of the month. Um, but yeah, I think it was the point where obviously teams did get time off um and it's just a difference obviously i'm not going to blame it on why we did poor because there was as we've mentioned there's plenty of 
our own failings, but it's just a, another frustrating thing and a lack of, I'd say, organisation from the FA. Uh, I'm not going to say corruption because I don't think they're smart enough to be corrupt. If I'm honest, I think it's just stupidity from people who are behind with the times, not really competent at all. Um, but it is what it is. Um, obviously, there was not great results. Um, players getting injured left, right and centre. Um, I think it was it was that period of time where Callum did really well um, for a couple of games or did perceivingly very well and then dropped into Callum's usual self, um, one-footed, not playing well, typical. Uh, I think the Brighton game was where he was really poor, missed a few chances and you just looked and you, you couldn't, I was just like, no, nope, I'm done with every, any everyone that's on the pitch. Just no, stop. I'm not watching. Don't want to watch Chelsea. Don't want to ruin my Christmas. Um, which we thought Christmas was coming to the end of the month. Coming into January, we've got a really tough run of fixtures. And then who was supposed to be our hundred million pound signing star signing? Romelu Lukaku. Well, runs his mouth. Let's just say that. Um, Obviously, we can look back in hindsight now and just know he's not committed now. Um, but with all the stuff that happened, the whole Chelsea was my team. Chelsea, I wanted to come back to Chelsea. I want to revolutionise. I'm multifaceted, etc. All that spew from the beginning of the season that he made. Are you still angry at the same extent that you was at the time with the Lukaku interview? No, I'm just done with it. You know, there, for me, you know, the dude did something stupid, opened it, opened this gob when he should have kept it shut. Um, <clears throat> now we're in a pickle trying to get rid of him somewhere, which, by the way, will not be Tottenham. Not happening. It's already come out. He wants enter and enter alone. <clears throat> that's just the only team he wants to go to. So, uh, which is quite difficult for us because enters. Uh, broke as a joke, but uh, yeah, at the time, yeah, I was mad at him. Okay, you don't want to be here. Well, why'd you come? Yeah, that, really, big... why'd you come if you didn't want to be here? Just say, you know, Arcady, I don't want to go to Chelsea, I like it in Italy, and we could explore other options. We could have actually brought in a scorer and not brought in a board signing, but you know, who, you know, who are we? But, uh, yeah, I'm just done talking about Lukaku. You know, the guy's injured now because he got injured flopping in, 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 in that Belgian game that you don't want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I mean you'd, you'd think someone that is, I'm going to say the word overweight to be kind, you'd think, you'd think they'd just bounce. You'd think, you wouldn't think they'd get injured over such a soft contact, but somehow he still does. Um, I don't believe he's injured. I just believe he wants to, he wants more time to discuss it in the Milan move. But there you go. I don't know why. When it seems that we want to get rid of all our players, we keep going to the most brokest teams in the world, either into Milan, Barcelona. I don't know who's next. Who's broke's going to come in? But we can start loaning off players to Burnley or something because you know they're broke as well. Uh, other teams, I don't know. We can start doing Bolton now or whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know, it just seems the way Chelsea run at the moment. We just want to sell them to the most broke teams going. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Lukaku thing, I think it was... It was at a point of the season where we were already at a low point. 
everything started to go wrong and it just I think it just tipped the fan base completely over the top um I think personally deserved I don't I don't you can see throughout the season apart from a couple of odd performances here and there didn't really show anything didn't show that he cared um I think what's embarrassing is how 95% of the fans were hoodwinked at the beginning of the season as, as if Lukaku was this guy that was going to be the one. Um, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll have to give up uh, huge props to Marv um, for foreseeing this all along that Lukaku was going to be this absolute flop. Um, so big up to Marv for that. We should have listened to him. Um, Chelsea board should have listened to him, uh, which is, again... We didn't really mention, obviously, the summer signings, but really, they have both of them have been complete flops, haven't they, Jesters? Yeah, uh, we again. That's what happens when you. And this is again. Here's some foreshadowing. It won't be like this going forward. We have a new owner, but under the old ownership, because he was so removed from Chelsea Football Club. Uh, for so very long, because he's you know since 19, I believe he couldn't come in to to uh, watch Chelsea or even be in the country. 2017. Um, is it 17? Yeah. Okay. So he it was at this at the you know it was at the point where uh, the board was running things most of the time, and when you sign a board signing, foreshadowing Koulibaly is a board signing. Not a Tuchel signing. Not to say that Tuchel wouldn't take him and like him, but we've been after Koulibaly for years. When you do that, he might not fit what the manager or the coach wants or needs or can use in in the particular system we're using. And so both Saul, who I boldly claimed if he returned to his form at Atletico, uh, from from past years, he would take Kovacic's spot. Well, guess what? He didn't. That's why I said if. You know, people like to slate me for that. I did throw an if in there. And it's, you know, it, at that point you do speculation, but n- neither one of them really worked. Um, I'd like to see maybe Sal will get a couple more chances considering we had Alonzo playing left wing back, but I I digress. I'm not bothered at this point. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it, you know, December was where we fell the year before as well. As I think that's what, yeah, that's where Frank, uh, Frank got it in January, but December is when, when the decline started. So I don't know what it is about December. Uh, we've got warm weather people playing in our team or something. They don't, they don't like the cold or is it, you know. Seems like it. <laughs> I mean, what, it, I mean, it's been, it's been the thing is it's not even like you can blame the current players because it's it's been like that for three, four, five years. I'd probably say since we since we won last won the league, which is now six years ago, nearly. And and again, I think that it comes down to the signings that have been made. And you know, at the beginning, we we all said, "Oh yeah, we got good depth." When it came down to it, we really didn't. We had players that should have been gone a long time ago that were past their best, didn't fit what the new manager want, and were, were bought for different systems. Wow. So it was like the culmination of, you know, we got all the benefits from 
from how Roman ran the club, right? Chopping and changing managers, buying players, selling players, selling academy players, buying uh, ready-made professionals uh, that fit a certain system, and then he'd sack the manager the next year. Well, then those, those players aren't good for the next coach. And I think all of that finally came home to roost this year. And unfortunately, they finally year the, the uh, Roman regime. Um, you know, Alonso, Aspilicueta, should, who, should, who should have been gone a year, you know, over the summer and better be gone this summer. Well, we're trying, to, we're trying to, again, it's another case of selling someone to a broke club. Um, so Just let him go. Yeah. And, you know, be like Ariel. Let it go. Yeah, but, you, you know, Chelsea, Chelsea can't let go people save their lives. I mean, we've still got, we, we only just, we're probably still in recovery mode from get, letting Danny Drinkwater go on a free. We don't like giving away people on a free, so. Unless they're good players like Rudiger or something like that, but there you go. Um, we'll kind of move on to January before yeah. we start getting even more frustrated than we already are, because um, I'm just remembering of what how poor December really was. It's depressing me. But we'll move into January, which was again one of them kind of months of some parts were good, some parts not so good. Uh, in the wise words of Gattuso. Um, so we started off Liverpool, uh, January 2nd, which after giving them basically a two-goal lead in a matter of minutes, um, we come back with great goals from Kovacic and Pulisic um, to bring us a 2-2 draw. We then beat Tottenham three times in the same month because we were treated to them in the Carabao Cup semi-final, beating them 2-0 on the 5th of January. We beat them 1-0 in the return leg on the 12th of January, and then we beat them in the league 2-0 on the 23rd of January to beat Tottenham 4-0 uh, four times in the same um, year, which I suppose to some of the Erders and most Chelsea fans will probably be a positive in itself for the season. Uh, it's sad that we have to take that as a positive, um, but there you go. Um, otherwise, we also played the FA Cup third round against Chesterfield National League side, which I was at the game. It was nice to be at Stamford Bridge for the first time in a while. Uh, we won 5-1 um, with Ross Barkley putting on a disaster class despite being against National League sides. Kind of sums up the player. Uh, we did lose against Manchester City 1-0 again on the 15th of January at the Etihad Stadium. Uh, we also drew 1-1 with Brighton uh, in the match after that, which I remember was a very frustrating game as well. Um, so just as obviously, we can't say it's a terrible month beating Tottenham three times in, in, this, in that same period but it was again one of them tipsy-turvy months partially recovering from what was that stupid interview yeah again uh, what, what almost and coulda woulda shoulda I just peeped it you know our goal difference against the top two clubs in the league this year was a negative two that's it. And they're supposed to be the people we're competing with. Which is, yeah. So, you know, Liverpool didn't beat us in the league. Drew twice with them. 
the only the only people who beat us was Man City, and that was one nil, one nil. Yes, you could say Man Man City actually dominated those games more than um, the more than the scoreline would suggest, but still, scoreline is the scoreline because you only put one ball in the back of the net. Yeah. So even with the Liverpool games, I mean, I, I'd argue actually even in that game, if it wasn't for, and I think it was Trevor Chalaber that was the main culprit of the mistakes, but if it wasn't for us giving away them two goals, we probably would have beaten them in that game as well. And that's the, that was the frustrating thing of we had four games against Liverpool, all of which that we were probably the better team. And we come out with two draws in the league and two losses on penalties, which you just you just think... How? I mean, we can we can we can make it the reason of it's Chelsea Football Club, um, which is a good enough reason in itself. But very frustrating to have that. I mean, obviously, harking on to Christian Pulisic, obviously it was a time where Pulisic was playing wing back, wing back, and I remember you and me were on the stream saying, "Put him at left wing, and he'll he'll do well." Um, I remember he missed a shot, he missed a good chance in that game, but. Didn't, boy, didn't him and Kovacic um, follow up with two great goals um, for us to watch. Oh, yeah. They, they were probably two of our better goals of the season, actually. You know, the Kovacic volley. Um, and then, uh, of course, Christian Pulisic going through, doing what he does. And guess what? Playing game in, game out on the left, on, on the left attacking position. I'm not going to say winger anymore because... Who in the hell knows what position, what what formation you're going to play? Play him there, game in, game out, and he'll get you goals. Or he'll he's he's going to be there to give you chances because he's always in the right place, makes the right runs inside the box, and he's one of the few players we have on our team that actually does that. Um, and that's very. That's somewhat instinctual, but that goes to a good uh, fundamental knowledge of how to play ball. It's making diagonal runs in the box because they're very hard to track, and it usually gets you to your near post or your far post, right? It puts you in position to do something. Now, he needs to be more clinical in his finishing? Absolutely. He needs to go through a year with being fit 90 to 95% of the time? Absolutely. But there's no doubt and the talent that this young man has. And, uh, you know, we were talking today. It's, it's, really, it's really weird. Everybody wanted, wanted him out. You know, get rid. He's terrible. The minute, he, you know, Liverpool come up as a place he could go, oh, don't sell me at Liverpool. Well, if he's such crap, why would you not care if he went to Liverpool or not? Right? Yeah. But, I mean, this, this, this cat played uh, wing back. Central midfield striker for us. Are we really? I mean, he's 23 years old. Play him in his best position to get the best out of him. And if he ain't good, if he can't produce for you, if he ain't good enough, then he ain't good enough. But don't play him in all over the pitch, not knowing one one day for the next where he's going to be. And say, well, he's not producing. Well, no crap. He's not a wing back. He's not a striker. You know, he's not wherever. Uh, he's not a central midfield. He's not an eight. So, again, 
uh, and I, I, I guess I'm just going to end my uh, holistic uh, tangent because we're an iron in. We got we have a few more months to go through. Yeah, I mean, I think on the, the with Pulisic on the injury front, I think actually apart from the challenge, the the ankle challenge, which any any player in the same position is getting injured as well. Um, I think relatively the fitness thing was okay. I think the one problem with Pulisic and it's it's something you can't really fix because he's going to go on international duty. Is it is always frustrating when he goes on international duty. And then he has to, he can't play the game coming back because of jet lag or whatever. Um, he's not completely up to fitness. And then oh it always God. seems he struggles with that consistency getting back into the team because no doubt some winger, whether it's Ziyech or Werner or someone, Havertz, plays really well in that match that he isn't there. And then naturally he doesn't get put in the team for a couple of games and then he has to build up that consistency. And there's always just before international duty where Pulisic seems to almost start shining finally because he's got that consistent run finally going. But that's the only frustrating thing about it, which hopefully if Tuchel can figure out front three properly, we shouldn't have that problem so much. Um, but it is what it is. Obviously, the window itself in January was frustrating because obviously we had all these injuries to Ben Chilwell, Rhys James. We had we were stuck with Alonso and Aspi. Malang Sar and what ended up the apparent solution that never got used was Kennedy um, but we didn't get anyone in was that personally really frustrating for you that you didn't get anyone in before I answered that let me just say I just watched a 17 maybe 18 year old kid just look up in the box and say oh I'm going to put it in the left hand bottom corner and put it right there Gavi is something else, dude. I'm telling you that right now. Uh, call up Barcelona to see if they want uh, a sw- swap between Gavi and Mount. Oh, you, you do know how to um, completely insult the Yerdas. But, um, yeah, I, I think Gavi's a phenomenal player. I think if he's available, which apparently he could potentially be if he doesn't sign contracts, then I think Chelsea should be all over this completely. Um I'm sorry. I won't. I won't. I won't say so much as Mount, but Billy Gilmore. Yeah. I, I know you've played well in a couple of matches, but I'd take Gabby no. any day, any day of the part, week. Part of that was to take, you know, kind of taking the piss. <laughs> you always have to go. You have to go large, man. Go, go big or go home. And so that's why I, I don't expect anything like that to happen. I just, I think he's phenomenal talent. Um, so yeah, we should have brought somebody in in January, but I'm kind of thinking that Roman knew things were coming down the pipeline. He had to have some knowledge. Yeah, potentially. Of, of, of what was, was not that he had any influence, but he, he knew what was about to happen, and I think that played a large portion of why we weren't very active. Yeah, yeah, I understand that to a point. I think, obviously, the Ukraine discussion was going on probably from that from January, probably before. Um, so I think he know, and I think he knew that. I think that's why he's we've almost maybe been a bit hesitant in the last couple of years as well, because I think he knows that how long is he going to? It's there is there there is an expiry date on his Chelsea 
um, ownership. And unfortunately, that was this season. Um, we'll obviously, we'll get into that in a bit more detail uh, when we get into the months. But yeah, I can understand your point. I think at the time, it's very frustrating because, again, you haven't to deal with Marcus Alonso for the whole season. That's just insanity waiting to happen. Um, and I think half of us did go insane. Um, and the other half probably were insane as well in terms of backing him. But there you go. Um, obviously, February was actually quite a decent month compared to what the three months before had followed. Obviously, we continued our FA Cup campaign against Plymouth Argyle, beating them 2-1 on the day. Uh, we then went to the Club World Cup for a couple of weeks, nice sunny Dubai, um, where the players got a bit of sun, played a couple of matches against Al Halal and Palmeiras, won them both and won a trophy, brought up the second trophy of the season home. We then came back uh, with the Club World Cup and placed, faced Crystal Palace, beating them 1-0, followed by our start of the Champions League round of 16, facing Lille at home and beating them 2-0. And then what was very unfortunate in the final game of February, the Carabao Cup final against Liverpool, um, drawing 0-0 and Kepa missing Chelsea's 11th penalty to lose the match. But overall, you look, you look at it in 90 minutes, well, in 120 minutes as well, unbeaten in terms of um, not losing. Uh, it was only the penalty shootout that caused us to get a loss. Um, in the grand schemes of how the last few months went, do you think that was a good month for Chelsea? Obviously, there were caveats of the what Club World Cup games were a bit weren't the best of matches ever. Plymouth wasn't the best of matches. I think Lille was the only match that you could look at and go, that was a good performance. But and partially the Liverpool one by the penalties. Um, but what did you think of that month overall? Yeah, again, uh, good. Uh, fell a little bit short of where we thought we should be. Um, of course, everybody brings up the Lukaku wasn't offsides, offsides. Again, if that's what you're going, you, you know, if you, if that's what you're saying, cost us and not the other, uh, you know, 119 minutes. Um, okay. Because we played 120 minutes, that's why I said 119. But I'm, you know, I'm not having this. I don't like that because I, I watched American football and there's always a flag or a penalty that helps a team out that maybe is borderline. Everybody goes, well, that's the reason they want. I got tired of that watching that sport. I am not doing it with this sport. I, you know, if you if you lose a match because of one poor call, you shouldn't have won the match in the first place. So I'm, I'm not having that. I will blame our team for not scoring enough and leave it at that. Um, but yeah, as far as other, you know, we had a run of December and January were, were diabolical. So February bounced back. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, I, I can understand your point about the decisions. I think my only point would there be there was kind of more than one decision that went against us in that game. Um, but at the end of the day, as you said, if we, if we finished it, um, if we finished off the chances, um, then we would have 
won the game without all the decisions, so I can understand that completely. Um, unfortunately, typical Chelsea being Chelsea, there were missed chances, particularly fluffing up the mount in that game. Um, a number of our players as well. Um, so we should have finished off chances. Um, but it was outside the chances, a pretty good opening from Chelsea. At least we, I think we tried, put a lot of effort in, which sometimes, sometimes that's what, that's all you can ask for sometimes. And sometimes it doesn't go for you on the day. And obviously it didn't go for us on the day. Um, and that was obviously Club World Cup. We did obviously, you don't play the best of teams in the competition, but to get in that competition in itself is, you have to go through and be the champions of Europe. So you, it's a it's a competition that's highly regarded in that case. Um, what, how did you feel, obviously, winning the Club World Cup? Yeah, it was a, it completed the trophy cabinet. Uh, first time we've won it. And it's the first time we've won a trophy that I've been a Chelsea fan. So, you know, our inaugural win and... Of course, I wasn't here for our inaugural uh, Champions League win or first Premier League title. I got to see the first Club World Cup we ever won. Um, yeah, it was it was exciting, expected. Um, but, yeah, we won it, and it's a trophy that goes in the trophy cabinet. It's not a dinner plate. Arsenal fans, if you're listening to this, it's not a dinner plate. The stats that you accumulate in the game go on your official stats for FIFA. The Community Shield, whatever you do in the Community Shield, never end up on your stats for FIFA. Doesn't happen. So sorry, it's not. It, that's an exhibition match. The Club World Cup is not. Yeah, so, I, I definitely agree with that. Um... I think Arsenal fans, Arsenal fans can't talk about it because they haven't even won the Champions League. Come back and win a Champions League and then win the competition and then they can come back and chat to us about that. Um, How about win a Conference League or a Europa League first? Yeah, just, just, <laughs> just winning anything in general that's not an FA Cup every couple of years. But typical Arsenal, we, we, we don't listen to them anyway. Um, obviously, March was kind of the month where well, results-wise, was actually pretty decent. Didn't fall apart yet. But obviously, the big highlight of March was obviously the sanctions. Um, I actually remember when Sadiq is Edson will remember, it was on the way back from watching Lille at Stamford Bridge. And I said, when the Ukraine war was happening, I said to Sadiq, don't be surprised if Chelsea gets sanctioned and we go into a real trouble in terms of trying to get a new owner and I remember Sadiq saying oh that won't happen I think um there was a couple of other um Chelsea influencers with us said oh no it's never gonna happen I was like wait and see wait and see um and then lo and behold it happens and I didn't I didn't want to be right but unfortunately we were right um and it was typical and unfortunate um that happened um but I suppose we've we've got we've got a fantastic owner in Todd. Well, hopefully, we'll be a fantastic owner in Todd Bowley. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, signs look good at the moment, but we'll have to judge it as it goes through. But in terms of obviously the results in March, we started off for a fifth round of the FA Cup against Luton, beating them three-two. Uh, that was followed by a four-nil thrashing at Burnley, which I, I would sum up as the Reese James show um, coming back from injury. We then 
went and beat Norwich 3-1 um, at Carrow Road, followed up by a 1-0 win against Eddie Howe's rejuvenated Newcastle United. We then completed the Champions League round of 16, beating Lille 2-1 uh, in Lille, and then finished up the march with a 2-0 win in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup against Middlesbrough. Obviously, just as it, we, we didn't face the best of teams, I'd say actually Newcastle, Newcastle, the rejuvenated Newcastle was probably the best team we faced in that month. But overall, it was good results considering the high-profile incident upstairs that was going on. Yeah, I think the prediction from everybody is, oh, this is Chelsea's demise. They're done. They're going to go into liquidation and they're not going to be a team anymore. And ha, 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 yada, yada, yada. Please. Yeah, it was it was difficult. But it's, when it actually happened, it didn't seem immediate. It had to have an immediate effect on the team, right? Tuchel's a brilliant coach. Um, I think he kept the team together. Um, until maybe his personal issues started to come out. And, uh, yeah, I, I, and I'm guessing that's in the next month where we just start dropping off. Yes, and, and indeed. I think what I will kind of get into it when, when we talk about it in April, but obviously I think it was a case where we started off well and seemed to be reacting well, um, but... It was obviously the the full sanctions in terms of ticketing sales. The Stamford Bridge attendance hadn't have been effect, haven't have actually come in place until April because of tickets that had already been sold and they weren't going to refund. They weren't going to take away tickets that had already been sold. So I think it was it was the Brentford game, obviously, which was a disaster. We were getting to in April. I think where we first had a half full Stamford Bridge, which I I do think didn't help the home form. I don't, I'm not going to say it was a blame solely on our results, but I'd say it didn't help. Um, but it is what it was. I mean, obviously going into them matches, obviously beating Lille, Lille were the easier of the teams. And it was almost going back to the Champions League draw, a bit of fate that obviously even when the draw was messed up, we still managed to get Lille. Um, so it was kind of, I think, I think fate for us to, go and beat Lille, but overall they were good results in terms of them times, weren't they? Oh yeah, definitely so. Um, I think that uh, you know we played very well with some very good uh, results in that month. Uh, and what what can you say? You, you advanced in the best the best uh, competition that you're in. For me. I love Premier League, but Champions League, there's just something about it because you're not playing just the best play, best the teams from your country. You're playing the best in Europe, right? You, you know, most of the time it works out that way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. ask around Madrid. They, they, they went through PSG, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Man City, or Man City and Liverpool. That. To me, that's more impressive than winning La Liga. And uh, I, there's something about cup competitions that I like. Um, it's not a whole, you know, it's not a big season slog. You get to see teams you don't get to see, players you don't you know normally watch. I don't know, there's something about it. And 
You know, we battered Leo over two legs. Christian Pulisic, I believe, became the uh, first Chelsea player in either a while or ever to sell the, the score back to back in uh, Champions League against the same in the, in the, in the, in the in a tie. So he scored, he scored in both legs of the tie against Lille, becoming Chelsea's first player to do that. I want to say ever. But don't uh, if I'm wrong, it's been a long time. Yeah, I seem I seem to remember it was the other way, but then I can't remember what player it was that did it before. So I'm I'm gonna kind of go with the fact that it was ever, um, just to make it sound a little bit more positive. Um, but yeah, I mean it was overall. I think the only result that I remember was a bit shaky was the Luton one, which under the circumstances of we'd few days before only just gone out of the Carabao Cup in the fashion we did so was it kind of understandable that the players were almost a bit shaky in that game but obviously we did get the results so that was all that mattered didn't it yeah again I'm not bothered by one-off results um played all right during the month in general so for me that's the most important thing but I'm not I'm not worried about the one-off results because you're going to always have a bad day at the office. So it's not really worth delving into because we did get the result. So not too bothered by it. Yeah. Well, you can get bad day at the uh, bad days at the office. Or if you're Chelsea, you can have a bad month at the office, which is what April turned into. Um, I would p- probably going to comfortably say this is the worst month of Chelsea season. Um, obviously, we started the month off in absolute style and I don't mean positive-wise, by losing 4-1 at home to Brentford, um, with Rudiger's final, finally long shot being the only, I suppose, positive of the match. Um, we then got beat 3-1 at Stamford Bridge by Real Madrid uh, in the first quarter-final of the Champions League. We then followed up with an s- impressive 6-0 thrashing of, I would say, uh, the Bundesliga team in Southampton. Um we then come back to the Bernabeu and despite going 3-0 up uh, within the game, bottled it to allow Real Madrid to go through 5-4 on aggregate, um, which we then followed up with the FA Cup semi-final where we beat Palace 2-0 at Wembley. And just as you think, oh, maybe it'll be positive from here. Nope, we go and lose to Arsenal of all teams, 4-2 at Stamford Bridge, which is then followed up by a 1-0 slim win at West Ham. Thank you to Christian Pulisic. Um, and then you think, oh, maybe we can finish the month in positive style. But no, we drew 1-1 one, one, one with Manchester United again, with Ronaldo getting the point for um, the Devils. Um, Jesters, obviously, we'll kind of start with the Real Madrid match because that was the kind of heartbreaking one in terms of the emotions of going up 3-0 in the well, going down in the first leg. Nearly doing the impossible in the second leg and then it all being ruined. What what are your thoughts thinking back to that? And obviously now I think it's a bit more positive that Real Madrid end up going on to win the competition because you, at least you can say, well, we got knocked out by the Champions League winners rather than just getting knocked out by some random team that lost in the semi-finals or finals, which I think I remember. Obviously, we won last year. The year before, we got knocked out by the winners. And I think the last time before that, we weren't obviously in the Champions League, but the time before, we also got beaten by the eventual Champions League winners. So, 
What do you think of that Real Madrid match um, in general, looking back at it? Story of our season, really, you know, put ourselves in a hole, dig ourselves out in the hole, out of the hole, and can't and finish. Back in. Right, <laughs> it just, hey, so bipolar of our team. You know, we got thrashed at home with some just some horrible mistakes from our goalkeeper, um, other players on the pitch, and then we we work our butts off to get back into it. And are through and then bottle it. And I really think that's what sent us into a downward spiral is that Madrid game. I think that that's just took the heart from the team. Would and you not say the Brentford result just before? Obviously, losing 4 1 to Brentford at home was kind of a shocker. No, because we, we were up, we, had, we were through. At the Bernabeu, we we were there. We were doing our thing. Yeah, that's true. No, yeah. I, I think that's the, that's the match where it was just let's get through the season and 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 be good because they were still talking about going to administration and all that other stuff and. Those players with contracts, no more kind of maybe backed it off just a, just a hair. Yeah, yeah, just a little others. bit. Just a little bit. Um, yeah, unfortunately, the contract situations didn't get helped by the sanctions, but it is what it is. If, if they don't want to play for the club, they don't want to play for the club. No one is bigger than the badge. No one is bigger than uh, us fans. So them players that I'm not going to mention the names of, especially a certain one that wants to go missing on the cup final day. Um, I'm not going to give them the airtime, but it is what it is. Um, Obviously, we did have one, well, two positive results, but the one big one you'd look at is the Southampton one. Um, Do you think it's funny that the one team that plays like a Bundesliga team, suddenly all our players start turning up against? Yeah, well... Look, they, the Southampton has that in them. When things start going against them, it is uh, Katie bar the door because they're going to go down with that sinking ship. And uh, they play, they you know they play that high line attack, 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 and then don't play any defense. So imagine that. Um, but good, we've got six goals against. Uh, Lower mid-table, uh, lower table team. Great. It doesn't. I mean, it's, it says something that the scorers, that Werner managed to get two goals and Alonso managed to score. That kind of sums up the team. You know, what sums up the, the, the team was Werner got a Woody in the first half. The, the first Woody I've ever seen. And if for those of you who don't know, I coined the phrase the Woody, which means he hit the left post, the right post, and the, and the center post. And the center bar. He hit every part of the frame of the goal imaginable and ended up with a brace. Uh, <laughs> that, 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 that just sums up his time here at Chelsea. He could have had five goals and got two. Yeah, and you know what? With all the, with all the Lukaku stuff going on, he might even be here next season. Yeah. And 
God knows someone said, do you think he'll start up front for us next season in the centre? And I was like, God, no. God help us if it is. Uh, um, I, I, he could be the backup to Havertz, though, playing it as an actual striker. I think he. I think he's going to have to, if I'm honest, because it's. it's I, I, unless we do sell him and bring back Broja, but I've said for a few weeks now, I think the best thing for Armando Broja is to go out on loan again he won't, and he won't go on alone. rather than struggling um, and not getting game time. But it is what it is. You know what? If anyone's got Cobham in their DNA, naturally, every Chelsea fan wants them to play every bloody minute, even though we've got too many Cobham players as it is. We can't fit them all on the same pitch. Uh, but there you go. Um, it is what it is. Um, obviously, April was terrible, and May didn't start off well. We kind of gifted Frank Lampard probably what was um, stopping them getting relegated. With that, with them winning one 0 at Goodison Park, we then drew two two to Wolves at Stamford Bridge um, on the seventh of May. Following that up with a three 0 win over Jesse Marsh's Leeds, um, who luckily stayed up. We then move on to the FA Cup final where we lose in penalties again with Mason Mount missing the deciding penalty. Um, we then move on to Leicester and after a James Madison. Um, well, I'm going to say screamer because it was a long shot, but probably should have been saved a little bit better and defended a lot better uh, thanks to a certain Marcus Alonso. Uh, sorry, Sadiq, for going at him again, but you'll forgive me. Um, so we we drew 1-1 with that and then we finished the season uh, winning 2-1 and having to rely on, again, Ross Barkley to get us a final goal of the season, which, again, sums up Chelsea's season, doesn't it, Jesters? Yeah, um, really, it, uh, you know, the, the FA Cup, we put all our mar- marbles, I believe, for that whole month, or was it, the invest, the heart investment was in the FA Cup, right, by, by the team as well as the fan base, and then so everything around that was just shite, uh, people forgot how to finish, Christian Pulisic, I'm, at, I'm looking at you, can't, can't, you can't miss that sitter, bro, you gotta put it away. Um, but you know, we ended up at third. We're uh, two trophies, but you know, the biggest thing that happened was the sale of the club, definitely. And that's that's the biggest win, yeah. I mean, obviously, Todd Bowley was eventually finally at the end of the month, um, confirmed to be the new Chelsea owner. Um, obviously, with you being an American yourself, I imagine you're quite happy with that. Um, not just because he's American, but he's had a good um, reputation with his American teams that he has. Um, so I think I haven't actually spoken to you properly on the Todd Bowley um, sign-in since we, um, we've been a few pods where we've been on and off and on a, on different pods. Um, so what do you think of the Todd Bowley um, ownership? Do you think it's going to be successful? Um, do you think we're going to have to give them time, or do you think this could be a failure? No, I think I think that uh, look, you you can never these things are so difficult to predict. You know, the world can end tomorrow, so it wouldn't matter, right? Uh, <laughs> but he has a very good run in sports and and 
sports management um, was the best candidate to take over Chelsea Football Club, by the way. They got the ownership spot on, on who, who, to, who to choose. Um, you know, we had, uh, we're not going to go through all the ownership, other people, candidates, it's not worth it at this point in time, but he was the best. Um, he has his ideas on, uh, on how things should be run. He's been successful in the United States with the United States sports. Uh, and people, well, that doesn't mean he's going to do it in England. No, but at least he has an idea of what it takes to run a successful uh, sports franchise, right? Yeah. So for me, best pick, I'm glad he's here. I'm glad it's so sorted so we can have a normal summer, maybe for once at Chelsea, do the things we need to do. I'm looking forward to the Tuchel contract extension. I'm looking forward to Tuchel being involved in picking players, and I want no more board signings. If you're on the board and you want a player and Thomas Tuchel wants a player, you pick Thomas Tuchel's player. Because he's the one that has to implement him into his system. And he probably knows more football. No, not probably. He knows more football than you do. So I don't want to hear it from the board anymore. Shut up. Run the club day to day. But the picks need to come from the people who know the footy. And it's not you, Bruce Buck. I did that for you, by the way. Matt. Yeah. Well, do you think, obviously, there has been the recent rumors of Marina could be likely going at the end of the at the end of the summer she is um, i imagine with the idea that they said they want to get a new ceo in i imagine that means buck surely wouldn't be too far behind because otherwise he's accepting a demotion um but you never know snakes and rats always like to uh endure forever so he'll probably be in the background somewhere but do you think when we get obviously new people in uh, who hopefully will be football orientated, do you think it'd be good for Tuchel and the, the new board members to almost work together in a kind of football synergy way, or would you still prefer Tuchel to be the main man? Well, I, I want him to work with a team that knows football. Uh, and for him to come out and say, this is the type of player I'm looking for to play in this system, uh, here's an example of the type of player I want in that position. And then for the team and the scouts to go out and find players like that, if not the person he suggested, right? That's the way this is supposed to work. And this is uh, the first time that you're gonna see a coach hang around and not have his job questioned or under threat year after year, month after month. And so that should allow synergy between the scouting department, uh, those the, the director of football, which I, might be the, the guy from Atletico Madrid, uh, and everybody to get together, to get on the same page so we can stop bringing in players that don't fit what we want to do. We've got a ton of those already. Yeah, that's true. Um, hopefully, whoever is whoever it is, I do like the look of the Atletico um, sporting director just because he has 
almost worked with a lot what has been a fairly low budget at Atletico Madrid because their financial situations ain't exactly completely straight and narrow. Um, but he's brought in a lot of good players to Atletico Madrid. Um, some players out of nowhere, some players from not necessarily the big teams, more unknown names and made them into potential superstars. So um, if we can do that with what is, as our fans like to say, our best, the best academy in the world, um, some of the best trainers facilities around um, and a much bigger budget. Hopefully he can work well with that. Um, I would like to see football people and that's all I ask and I'll give them a chance and see how they go. Um, but obviously we'll kind of, the FA Cup is kind of, as we kind of mentioned it already, it's similar to the Carabao Cup, didn't take our chances. Um you find it frustrating that we kind of almost in the end gave Liverpool their only two tro- trophies of the season? Yeah, it's only fair though. Uh, we had our chances, didn't take them. They did. Yeah. We can't take penalties. But you- I don't understand that. It's the easiest part of the game is to take a penalty. Mm-hmm. And apparently we can't. Yeah. Quite, I, I, saw, I saw a massive debate obviously on um, the Oh wait, do you need a minute? Yeah, if I could. That's I fine. Could. I'll I'll ramble on for a minute. Just message me when you're back. Um, yeah, so I'll, guys, be, I'll be quick. No worries. So while Jesters is uh, taking a minute's break, um, I'll just talk to you guys about the some of the stuff that um, is going on. Um, first of all, um, we have a Discord chat up and running. We've got quite. We're starting to build up quite a few members on there right now. Um, so the link will be down in the description of this podcast. So make sure you go click it. We'll be, we have uh, currently a, a live group chat, which we're trying to make more active right now. Um, we've got some good people in there to talk about football um, for men's and women's. Um, and then eventually we'll be organising live voice chats where you can, it's almost like a Twitter space, but a bit better um, where we can have a nice little debate um we'll it throughout the summer now we've got less football matches to review we can get some listener questions in and really start um talking with you guys and getting you guys involved um so make sure you do join the link that is down below in the description obviously make sure you finish listening to us before you finish and do that but i would appreciate it a lot just to get the discord chat really going um and secondly for the plans of the podcast um we will look to do, obviously, we've got the season review now. Me and Wayne will get, sit down together and do the same for the women's team. Um, we do have uh, Chelsea Perspective coming back on. Uh, we're going to review our Premier League predictions from the beginning of the season, so make sure you check out that podcast if you haven't already before watching that one. And then plans for the summer, we will do some possible international break reviews. We'll, do, we'll cover all the transfer stuff ready for you. Um, and then we'll have a couple of guests on. Um, bring on with me, Jester's. Um, Sadiq hopefully we'll be able to get him on back in the summer now it is calmed down in terms of fixtures um, but we will not take breaks we are not like other podcasts who once the season's over we finish up we don't um, we take a take a break so we will cover all transfer stuff for you guys in the summer maybe not every week um, maybe every two weeks um, because I have got holidays coming up and um, summertime is busy for most of us so we will get some 
podcasts out for you, um, unlike other channels. So make sure you subscribe um, to all of us on all Spotify, Apple and other podcast platforms of your choice. Um, Suggestors, obviously now you're back. Um, There was a massive debate going on the timeline. Would have been just after the FA Cup final, just after the Champions League, when Liverpool obviously found out that they went from winning the quadruple to just a double. Um, On whether the Super Cup and the Club World Cup is better than the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup. Um, what you, what would you be your opinion on that? Do you think Chelsea trophies would technically be more weighted than Liverpool's trophies, or what do you think it's the other way around? It's just a discussion we really want to be having. I, you know, I think that both teams would say the trophies they ended up with are the trophies they they weren't uh, planning for, as are wanting. Uh, both both us and Liverpool would rather have the Champions League and the Premier League and the, than the ones we actually brought home. Uh, I guess the you would say the FA Cup would probably be the the most prestigious out of them all because of the history behind it. Uh, you know, not for us, but it does give you a champ chance to get into Europe uh, if you're not in the top, you know, top six. Well, top seven, technically, now. Well, yeah, I don't read the Conference League. <laughs> Sorry. Technically, it's still Europe. Yeah, technically. You're right. You're absolutely correct. Technically, it is. Uh, but uh, I still don't. Again, I guess I w- if I was to rank them, um, I know people give Super Cup a, a stick because it's... Um, they just had it happens in the preseason. Again, stats do count against your career record. So yeah, um, definitely only two teams can play it the year. Nobody else gets invited, and uh, so you took that home. But I'd probably have the FA Cup edging that. I'd say FA Cup, Super Cup. Club World Cup and Carabao Cup. Yeah, I, I mean the Carab- club, club. Yeah, I put Club World Cup in front of the Carabao Cup because you have to win the Champions League to go. Not that the competition itself is harder, but to get there is most definitely harder. Yeah, and it, it proves that the only three teams in the Premier League have ever won it because they're the only three teams that can win the Champions League: it's Liverpool, United, and Chelsea. I mean, it's funny that Liverpool fans, when we when when we win it, it's suddenly a tin pot trophy. But when they win it, it's the best best thing that's sliced bread. Um, but that's Liverpool fans for you. You you can't you can't debate with them. They're just their own special people, I guess. Um, but it was kind of a thing. Obviously, I have a few Liverpool fans that have been listening to the podcast recently, so I thought we'd trigger them a little bit. But in the end, I could probably agree with you. It probably evens itself out that we both won two trophies and that's all that matters. Um, but it is quite funny that Liverpool went from, oh, we're going to win the quadruple to I just won a couple of domestic cups, um, which is quite funny in the end. Um, the two big competitions that mattered, they bottled it in the final stage. So there you go. Um, obviously, finishing up before we finish um, is kind of the overall award ceremony for certain players, obviously. I don't pro- I don't really agree with the current ones that were given. 
Um, so that's why we will kind of discuss it between ourselves of who deserves to get it. So we've got three awards. So we've got player of the season, the young player of the season, and we're going to we're going to add the flop of the season, which I think would just be interesting to rant about a couple of players this season. Um, so we'll start with the player of the year. I mean, just as who for you would do you think deserves to be player of the year this season? Yeah, over. I'm glad we're both in agreement of that. I I still think it's criminal that he didn't get it, but it is what it is. What what, what would be your reasonings for, behind it? And would there be anyone else that you would consider as another nomination potentially? I'd say Antonio Rudiger. Um, you know he would never because he 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 was also stalwart in that defense. And uh, it's pretty amazing. I know everyone wants me to, you know, everybody says Mason Mount, Mason Mount, Mason Mount. Uh, but we've been talking all year about how average our attack was. And we always keep talking about how Mason Mount turns up for a goal and assist and then goes missing again. So for me, consistency is a big thing. Uh and that's why I'm picking defenders. I can't go Mindy for his for the for the mistakes he made that cost us. Uh, uh, that that goalkeepers cannot make. Right? That's you have very li- very little minimal touches. One of them cannot be to a opposing player. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I I can't because Mindy's end of the year was kind of bad. Um, but it's it's telling that we're giving it to defenders. Would you say uh, Kovacic deserves a shout? Obviously, I know he had a few injuries so that kind of put him out of it a little bit. But would you say Kovacic has a decent shout? No. And I am not the biggest fan of Mateo Kovacic. I just had it out with people on another on Lewis's stream because he had a goal contribution every 308 minutes i believe this year sorry you got to give me something more and you know he since he's been here he's averaging a goal contribution every 7 over 700 minutes of footy and i'm supposed to give this guy player of the year nah come on now Yes, he's playing in a double pivot in a back three, but he always is allowed to get forward and do his thing. And yes, probably the best uh, ball control technical dribbler. Uh, he's probably your only guy who's going to beat the press from uh, by dribbling through people. But you've got to have something on the other side. You've got to have a ball played in to be put away or score yourself. Because if you're just dribbling and getting in areas to do stuff and do nothing, then why'd you dribble in the first place, right? It's not, you're not doing anything on the end. I got to have something on the end of all that good play. And he started the year doing that, you know, and then it just dropped off. And uh, I'm going to say what I always say, if Ruben Loftus-Cheek, did not tear his Achilles, I do not believe that Mateo Kovacic would be a Chelsea player today. I just don't believe it. Because Ruben also is very 
<laughs> very good beating the press. He's much more physical with much more height that, that he gives you in the midfield. And guess what? When he was at his best, gave his goal contributions. So, uh, you know, I just, I, I know people love techers nowadays. And there's a certain generation that, that, that loves style over substance. I'm a substance over style guy. You can show me all the techers in the world, but if the ball doesn't go in the back of the net, I really don't care. You know, I, you, and if on the other flip side, if you're plain white bread and don't have any techers, but you put the ball in the back of the net, I'll love you to death. It's just I, I, I want substance. I want something there. So uh, for me, Mateo Kovacic needs to put improve his output. Um, and hopefully he'll get his chance playing, you know, in my dream that he'll get his chance to play as an eight dish next year and not as a hybrid six, eight, like we do now. Yeah, that is true. I think it, it is almost a shoehorn into a positions for many players, but yeah, I mean, I was playing a little bit of devil's advocate there, but I, I can't. I can't even try and put them anymore. I can't even try and argue against what you said because I think you you are spot on a lot of things. I think um, he does need to improve his output um, for all the substance that he, for all the uh, talent and skills that he does have, he does need to improve that. And that's why, I mean, I, I just think Thiago Silva is a phenomenal player. I think he's probably been the best signing that we've had in years. Um, and I, I just I just wish he wouldn't get old. Just 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 don't don't age anymore because I know I know he's I know he's doing very well but there is that expectation that he will drop off at any point soon and my worry is it will be one of them things where it won't be a slow drop off I think it'll be once it drops he drops fast and you know as well as I am with um, Chelsea fans that once they do drop off fast the two or three years that he's had before, everyone forgets and we'll just slag him off to the end of the days, which is just why I don't like to listen to many Chelsea fans like that. But unfortunately, that covers a fair percentage of our fan base. Um, in terms of Young Player of the Year, obviously, I don't think it's been the best of years from some of our younger players. Um, for me, there's only, even with his injuries, there's only one player that for me gets this um but i'll let i'll let you give your young player of the year before i go into james yep <laughs> there's, not another one. there's not another one i'm sorry yeah I, I'm, just looking, I'm like nope i can't think of it i mean we'll give him i suppose obviously again he hasn't been consistent all season but i, I will give props to trevor chalabar because he has had good moments in this season um but obviously, he just has made certain mistakes that would put him out of that. But I would say he's probably, unfortunately, probably second, which is... Yeah, probably, probably not enough game time. I'd probably put Mount second if you're going to classify him as a young player. But yeah, I, I didn't really know where where, where to put the, the bracket. Because normally it's like 23, 24, which I suppose Mount is still under and that. Yeah, I mean, Christian Pulisic is under that. Right. Kai Havertz is under that. Um you know, uh, yeah, there's there's quite a few players on the team that are under that. 
And that's probably part of our problem. <laughs> nice. True. Uh, uh, but for me, the team is just better with Reese James in it. So much. You know, from I've seen us, you know, do be amazing without Mason not in the thing. We're not as good with Reese James out of the thing. I'm sorry. Again, you're talking about the best right back in the world. And, you know, um, he's just he's just a, a brilliant footballer. Um that the 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 uh, types of, of shots and passes he can make, uh the multiple positions he can take up and play, uh is just just one of those those few players in the world who can play uh a fullback center back, defensive midfielder. And to play him with quality throughout is just an amazing ability. And I think if uh, we end up in a 4-1-4-1, you will find times where that one is going to be Reese James, especially if we, we only get one DM in because they're going to need a rest as well. And you either go back to a back three in those times where the DM is, is going to need to take a rest and play a back three with only two midfielders, or you, uh, you know, we're bringing in two center backs. You put Tiago in there with the other center back. Again, my preference would be Guadio. Uh, and then Lukunde play right back, and you could put uh, Reese James in at, at DM. He is that talented of a player. And for me, I just want to see him put in the best position to uh, grow. Because I think you haven't seen the best of him yet. Uh, I'd love to see him in a, in a more central position against certain teams. Because I think he, he the way he clip, clips falls in, he can do that from the center of the pitch. And, you know, how many times do you watch a DM looking for a pass and there's nobody closing them down? And they're about 50 yards out, 40 yards out. Well, guess what? If that that DM is Reese James and he's 30, 40, 50 yards out. I'm backing him to pop a shot and for it to go on target because he's got some mad whip and dip on his balls he plays in. And again, uh, for me, he's he's probably my favorite academy player of all. Uh, and uh, yeah, he for me, he's one of the most, un- if you're talking about the untouchables, but like, oh, we won't sell that person. And I don't believe in that. I think everybody is. Uh, Everyone has their price. Everybody's got a price on their head. But the one I wouldn't let go is Reese James. Most definitely. I mean, I, I, I kind of agree with you in the same way that he's always been my favorite uh, outside of Ruben Loftus-Cheek historically. But I think in terms of talent, pure talent, Reese James is by far the best person we've ever produced. Um, and I think it, it's no surprise that at his tender age that he is already known as to be one of the best in his position already at a young age. Um, I don't want to have these arguments about Trent because Trent is like an apron. All good in front, open on the back. Um, so I'd, ra- I'd rather my defender to be able to defend. Um, and attack 
uh, rather than just attack, um, as we saw in the Champions League final. But um, yeah, I, I think he most definitely deserves Young Player of the Year. Um, he's been phenomenal, even with with his injuries. Um, so I hopefully he can stay fit next season. And I think what would be vital in that is he has someone properly to rotate with, unlike Azpilicueta. Um, so then he can play games at the highest level without picking up any injuries. Um, but it is what it is. Um, hopefully Chelsea get that sorted in the summer. Um, I don't know whether they will because there's other priorities, but we'll see. Um, the final award, which I think there's a lot of players we could put in this position. Um, that shows kind of how our season went. It's flop of the year. Um, now, for me, there's only one person because of how he's acted this this season. And I imagine Jester's maybe feeling the same, although there is plenty of options you could pick, so I wouldn't be surprised with many. Um, but Jester's, who would be your flop of the year? Romelu Lukaku. I like it who we're both literally on a full house. Um, yeah. Obviously, I know I had a lot of people talking to me about this, about how Sal Niguez has been a complete flop, but I feel Sal at least, like he had a dodgy, really dodgy start, but I don't think he's actually been terrible from heart, from about December onwards. There's been games where he's not been great, but you always feel like he's trying, it's just he's not the right fit. Would you agree with that? Yeah, possibly so. And look, it he wasn't a hundred million pounds. I you know, everybody goes, Well, you can't you can't play that's just what the player costs. You can't you can't hold him to that standard. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Especially when you open your gob and you say you're the top a top five striker in the world. Put yourself up to with Benzema and, and Lewandowski and the rest. Oh, come on, man. You can't do that and go in there and do what you did especially when you were the cause for consternation for the coach, when you did something off the field that the whole team had to deal with. So that makes a double, that that just adds to the, the crap year that, that you, you had. And, and and it's, it's continued. Now it's, you know, I only want to go to enter. I don't want to go to any place else. Well, we want to try to move you out. You need to open up your range of options. Enter can't be your sole, sole place you want to go because guess what? If you, if it's enter, then most likely you're going to be sitting on our bench next year. When you're in your twilight of your 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 most productive years, you need to find some place to go, bro. And it ain't here. And whether it's Bayern Munich. Whether it's Barcelona, whether you know he said no to Tottenham. So, dude, I I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I hope Inter Milan and Chelsea can find a way to do it and get him gone. And, and you, you know, I just I can't I can't be bothered anymore with it. Talking about him, I don't want you know you get the banter from the fans, get him out of there and get some a lot of your money back. And if you do that, then he won't be the worst transfer ever because you get most of his, your money back. It's like Murata can't be your worst transfer because you sold him for a great uh, for a great amount of money, right? 
So you can't actually say Murata was our worst transfer. And Kepler is one as a trophy. So he can't be our worst transfer. Yeah. So um, that's what you need to do right now is mitigate how big of a disaster the Lukaku signing is. And if you can get 12 to 20 million on a loan this year and him or and him reducing it, or, well, actually on a loan, he can't reduce his, his, uh, his, his salary. He can't because it's based on the contract as it existed. If, if they can find a way to get him in, great. I don't want him around anymore. Yeah. I mean, what would you say, obviously, that within the transfer talks right now, it's kind of, I assume, well, Chelsea would obviously like the obligation to buy, but I don't think, I think Inter Milan would only be happy with a option. Would you be a little bit apprehensive just putting an option, bearing in mind, obviously, Inter's financial situation may not even be good in two years' time to do it. Um, and then the also fact that should he go on loan for two years, what how old would be what 31, 32? Yep. Would would that be a bit of a terrible situation? Should he come back after that loan and almost be in a situation where his transfer value is again dropped again? So we can't get as much money out of him. Would you want it to be an obligation or would you just be happy to do an option? No, obligation has to be an obligation. He cannot come back to this football club ever again. Mm-hmm. It's done. He's got to go. You know, Claude would have some nice words for him if he was uh, still a, still with us. You know, the old, it's time to go. Well, it's time to go, man. You don't want to be here. We don't want you in here anymore. You, you, you know, you've uh, cost us a lot, to, a lot of money. And cost us a, a lot of uh, consternation and possibly, you know, messed with the chemistry of the squad. Uh, definitely messed with Kai Havertz's chemistry and growth. So he, he's got to go and never come back. So it's got to be an obligation. End up. Because, again, what if he goes out on loan, he tears up a knee? Exactly, that's that's the worry. Like, and the problem is with Italian clubs. You, you, as we've seen with Bakayoko, they'll they'll even if you have a option where you say after a certain amount of appearances you have to buy, they'll just play him up to the point where it's just before the appearance number, and then they'll just stop playing him because they won't they don't want to pay for him. Um, I yeah. think all Italian clubs are a bit stingy like that, but when into obviously got their problems. I think I think you have to just set you have to say it's an obligation, even if we have to pull it at a lower fee. I mean, I think the good thing with it being Bowley in charge and not Abramovich is it's not their 100 million that they lost. So I think Bowley would be much more happy to not make a loss, but happy to to take less because at the end of the day for him it's 50 million. It's 50, it's 50. 50 to 70 million pounds coming in, not 50, 50 million loss. For the club books, it might be, but if I'm honest with the club, with the whole sanctions things, I don't get how they're going to do, I don't know how they're really going to work around FFP anyway, because I think our books are so messed up. So I, 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 don't, I don't think UEFA would be paying too much attention to our FFP for this season anyway, um, which I think we were in the green 
anyway yeah. because of all the players we sold so we should be all right but um yeah Remember, I, I we sold the players to, to cover the 100 mil yeah we just need him gone i, I just i'm i'm done i mean there's there's plenty of other players that have been poor and could have easily taken this list on any other year marcus alonso i mean sal could have been on it um even though he played well for parts of the season, uh, Andres Christensen for ducking out of a cup final, that's automatically a nomination for it. But because of Lukaku and his mouth, um, he takes it 110%. Um, so, it, I mean, I'm, at least at least I know with you, with Jesters, with you, Jesters, I can actually, we're all on, we're both on the same page for every award. Um, so that is actually a good thing. Uh, we don't have to debate it too much. Um, so, guys, let us know what you think of our uh, options. I, I know you'll probably you love to slag off us. So um, but if you do have your differences, if you do have a different player that you think and why, make sure you let us know uh, in the Discord chat or let us know uh, over Twitter or wherever you want to contact us. We're happy to hear it um, as long as you're not too abusive. I'm sure you guys aren't by now. Um, and let us know, yeah, who you think is player of the year, young player of the year, or flop of the year. Um, so yeah, just I think that kind of finishes up the season review. Just under two hours this time. I remember last time it was nearly two and a half hours. So we've cut it down just a little bit. Um, is there anything you wanted to put before we finished up? Not really. I uh, uh, just. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to starting anew. You know, it's a really, really is a new start for Chelsea. You know, as new, every new season is. But this year, it's a, a new season under new ownership, a new way of doing things. So let's be a new Chelsea and not be Charity FC, not play down to the level of our opponents. And please, for the love of all, of all that's holy, finish our dinner, please. That's all I got. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I just want to, I just want to get next season, and obviously I understand that it will be a transition um, because of new ownership and it's a new style, and no doubt we'll still get things wrong this summer. But I, at least I'm looking at the future a bit more positively with this new ownership um, and hopefully new board. That even if we do make a couple mistakes. Um, we could uh, hopefully we can resurrect them in the following seasons. I just want to be competitive. Um, that's why I ask. Um, but winning two trophies this season, I suppose that is a sign of competitiveness. Being in two finals, you can't really complain too much. Um, so that is the end to what is another wonderful podcast. Um, as I said before, make sure you give us a like and a rating on any of your platform choices um, that you are listening to us on Apple, Spotify. Uh, any of the others um, and make sure you continue watching us throughout the summer as I said we will be at least semi-active um, even when I'm away I'll hopefully get Jesters to set up a few pods depending on what the transfer rumours are we'll get some transfer pods out for you and we'll get some other more uh, creative pods anything you want us any subjects that you want us to cover any specific types of podcasts um, any niche ideas that you want us to do we can have a go um, just let us know in the Discord chat um, of any subjects that you want us to cover and we'll try and cover them to the best of our ability. Um, Jesters, thank you for coming on once again. Uh, I hope you're doing well for the rest of the weekend. 
Oh, thank you for having me as always. And uh, maybe save your liver uh, today and uh, lay it up, lay off of it. <laughs> yes, well, <laughs> lay off of I, I, I have to work tomorrow, so I can't drink anymore. This is this. Uh, I, I'm finally done for the weekend, but I think my liver's taken enough of a kick in. <laughs> all right, my man. Right, so guys, make sure, I hope you all have a good weekend um, and a good week uh, when you're listening to this. Um, this is Matt. This is Jester's signing out for the last time this season.